Father, how grateful we are for the privilege of being called your children. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for the privilege that is ours to be in this high holy place. May we not take our gathering for granted, but with attitudes of gratitude and hearts filled with praise, we will indeed worship you. For we declare that you and you alone are worthy of our praise and our worship. Now, Lord, as we turn our attention toward your word, our prayer always is that you would speak to us, challenge us, convict us, but ultimately, God, our prayer is that you will change us, continue to shape and conform us into the image of your dear son, Jesus Christ, for it's in his name that we pray and ask you for it all. And all the people of God said, amen. Well, good morning. I greet you with Jesus' joy. What a joy and privilege it is to be back with you, Connection Point. I have been praying for you, and I trust that God is going to do phenomenal things even among us today. Well, if you have your copy of God's Word, I want to invite you to join me in Jonah chapter 3. Jonah chapter 3. And as you're turning there, again, let me just express my profound appreciation for those who were instrumental in inviting me to come back. Um, Jonah chapter 3, I want to lift a few verses, verses 1 through 3 actually from that passage. And uh, it's my custom to stand for the reading of God's Word. So if you're at all physically able to do so, will you join me as we reverence the reading of God's Word together? Jonah chapter 3. There you will find these words recorded. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach to it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, a three-day journey in extent. And Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk. Then he cried out and said, Yet forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Amen. That's enough. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. The first verse says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Another version of this particular passage of Scripture says, The word of, Jonah, the, word of the Lord came to Jonah again. And I'd like to use as a thought and title this morning, The Ministry of Another Chance the ministry of another chance. Have you ever messed up in life? Have you ever made a mistake, did something, said something, went the wrong places? Just made a mistake. And you wish beyond all else you could just get another chance. Maybe, maybe I'm in the wrong place. Maybe, maybe y'all never make mistakes. Maybe you've always got everything right. But some of us can admit that we've made some mistakes in life. Some of us can admit that we've not always got it all right. But there is something significant about the joy and celebration that comes when we get another chance. 
I didn't say a second chance, because if you're anything like me, you blew your second chance a long time ago. In fact, I've messed up so many times in life, I've just learned to thank God for another chance. In Jonah chapter 3, we see the story of a preacher who gets another chance. Hope you don't close your Bible because we're just going to walk through this text. This man, Jonah, in Jonah chapter 3, hears the word of God who tells him to go to Nineveh and preach to it. But this is not the first time that Jonah received this message. Hope don't close your Bible. Uh, this is not the first time that Jonah heard from God. In fact, if you just flip over two chapters in Jonah chapter 1, Jonah heard the same message from God. In fact, Jonah chapter 1, your Bible says, now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, oh, I'm sorry, came to Jonah the son of Amittai saying, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa, found a ship going to Tarshish. He paid the fare, went down into it to go with them to Tarshish. He was seeking to flee the presence of the Lord. This was not the first time that Jonah heard from God. The first thing that I want us to see in this text is Jonah had a clear call from God. There was no ambiguity, there was no uncertainty, there was no doubt in Jonah's mind exactly who was calling him, where he was calling him to go, and what he wanted him to do. Can I suggest to you and I this morning that we're more like Jonah than many of us like to admit? Because just like Jonah, there are some of us here this morning who have heard clear calls from God. God has spoken to us. God has told us what he wants us to do. But unfortunately, in spite of having this clear call from God, Jonah decides, like many of us have decided, we're not going to do what God has called for us to do. We're more like Jonah than many of us like to admit. Because even in this place, there's some of you who you know God's called you to service. You know there's some things God has called you to do. And on the flip side of that, there are some things God told you not to do. But in spite of knowing that, you still decided you're going to do it according to your own terms. That's what's happening in Jonah chapter 1. Jonah has a clear call from God. But Jonah decides, I'm not going to do it. Jonah decides he's going to disobey God. Just like you and I. And what Jonah discovers is that when he decides to disobey God, there are consequences to pay. So you're asking this morning, why doesn't Jonah want to go to Nineveh? It's a great question. Y'all ask great questions at Connection Point. 
The reason Jonah doesn't want to go to Nineveh is Nineveh is the capital city of the Assyrians. The Assyrians had oppressed Jonah and his people for generations. And so therefore, Jonah developed a hatred for the Assyrians. But in spite of him not liking them and them not liking him, God calls him to go and minister to them. But because Jonah doesn't like them, Jonah says, I ain't going. What Jonah doesn't understand is Jonah's hatred for them was greater than his love for God. And likewise, you and I, whenever we choose to disobey God, literally what we are saying to God is that whatever you have called me to do is more important to me than my love for you. And so therefore, I choose it over you. And so Jonah has this clear call from God, but Jonah says, I don't like those people. And so because I don't like those people, I don't want to minister to those people. Do you have some those people in your life? Oh, come on, you know those people. Those people. They speak a different language than you, those people. Those people who may have come from other countries than you, you, you know those people. Those people who have a different philosophical idea and different view of scripture than you, th those people. Those people who live on the other side of town and they're not in church on Sunday morning. In fact, there are a whole lot of us not in church on Sunday morning. But the question is, do you have some those people in your life, those people who as long as they stay over there and I stay over here, we just get a whole lot, we get along a whole lot better? Oh, come on, you got some of those people in your life. I got some of those people in my own family. <laughs> that as long as they don't bother me, we just get along a whole lot better. But I stopped by here on my way to heaven to remind us, God loves those people. Jesus Christ loves those people. We all have some those people in our lives. In fact, some of us have even said things like this. Why don't those people just go back to the country from whence they've come? He loves those people. Jesus died for those people. And we better learn how to love those people. But Jonah says, I don't like those people and I'm not going to minister to those people. In fact, Jonah in his heart and mind says, I want those people to experience the full wrath of God's judgment. 
Because in Jonah chapter 1, what is happening is God has seen the wickedness of Nineveh. And God was about to destroy Nineveh, but because God is a loving, merciful, and sovereign God, he says in his heart, I'm going to give them another chance. I'm going to send my servant to minister to them that they might hear my word and repent of their sins, then I won't have to destroy them. But what Jonah says is, I want them to receive the full wrath of God's judgment because I don't like those people. Listen, my friends, whenever you and I fail to share the gospel with people who do not know Jesus, we put them in danger of one day experiencing the full wrath of God's judgment. Did you know that hell is the full wrath of God's judgment? that one day all of us will give an account and depending on your relationship with Jesus, you will experience the full joy of God's love or you will experience the full wrath of God's judgment. But Jonah doesn't want to go and minister to those people and so therefore Jonah develops this Position of disobedience. Listen, my friends, whenever you and I make a conscious decision to disobey God, there are consequences to pay. I don't care who you are. I don't care how much money you got in the bank. I don't care what color your skin is. I don't care what, what you drive, where you live, what your socioeconomic status is. Whenever you and I make a conscious decision to disobey God, there are consequences to pay. We see it right here in the life of this preacher. And so because Jonah doesn't want to go to Nineveh, what he does is he pays the fare, gets on a ship, goes to Tarshish, and he's attempting to flee the presence of the Lord. Don't close your Bible because the fourth verse of the first chapter says, then God sends a strong wind. In essence, in Jonah chapter 1 verse 4, God is pursuing Jonah. And I know it don't excite y'all, but I, I get excited to know that I have a God who pursues me with an everlasting love. Even when I've disobeyed him, even when I've sought to flee him, God still pursues me with love. In Jonah chapter 1 verse 4, God is pursuing Jonah. He sends a strong wind and he's trying to get Jonah's attention. And so from Jonah chapter 1 or through Jonah chapter 1, by the end of Jonah chapter 1, what we see is Jonah reaping the consequences for his disobedience. Can I fast forward just for a second? Because by the end of the first chapter, now this preacher who's seeking to flee God has now been thrown overboard. The Bible says in Jonah chapter 1 verse 17 that God creates a big fish that swallows Jonah. I'm not making it up. Your Bible says it. <laughs> I used to think that this fish was punishment. But when you read the text carefully, the fish was actually protection. That God created the fish 
because in spite of Jonah's disobedience to God, God still desired to use Jonah. And so in Jonah chapter 1 verse 17, God creates this fish that swallows Jonah. Because if God wanted to destroy Jonah, all God had to do was allow Jonah to drown. But God wanted to use Jonah and he created this fish to protect Jonah, to get Jonah's attention. So in Jonah chapter 2, we see God dealing with his servant in the belly of a fish. God created this negative environment in Jonah chapter 2 because it's in Jonah chapter 2 that he could get God's, that he could get Jonah's attention. Let me see if I can make it just a little bit clearer. Many times in our lives when we are going through pain and hardship and heartbreak and difficult places, the natural tendency is for us to say, the devil is busy. Most of the time we say the enemy sure is trying to destroy us. But this fish was created by God. Sometimes the negative environments that we find ourselves in in this life are not driven by the enemy. Sometimes God creates big fishes. Sometimes God creates negative environments. Sometimes God sends us through trials and tribulations of life because it's in the trials and tribulations of life that he can get our attention. I don't know about you, but I hear from God a whole lot differently when I'm in the valley than I do when I'm on the mountaintop. I know y'all are more spiritual than I am, but, but, but me personally, sometimes when everything is going right in my life, I don't pray like I ought to. I don't, I don't study as diligently when, when, I'm, when everything's going all right. But there's just something about trouble that drives me to my knees. There is just something about hardship and heartbreaks that drive me to the word of God. Could it be that the negative environments that you have been experiencing in, God, in life, could it be that they have been sovereignly pronounced and sovereignly created by the sovereign hand of God because God is trying to get your attention? Listen, my friends, people go through negative environments and churches go through negative environments. And so in Jonah chapter 2, it's a wonderful story. I hope you read it when you have some time. In Jonah chapter 2, from the beginning to the end, God is dealing with his servant in a negative environment. By the end of the second chapter, Jonah discovers God means business. 
Listen, my friends, whenever you and I disobey God, there are consequences. Three things that sin will always do. Sin will always take you further than you had planned on going. Sin will always cost you more than you had planned on paying. And sin will always keep you longer than you intended on staying. Because there are consequences for disobeying God. But by the end of the second chapter, your Bible says that Jonah repents. And at the moment that Jonah repents, God then instructs the fish to spit Jonah up on dry land. Three days, three nights, Jonah was in the belly of the great fish at the bottom of the sea. But at the end of the second chapter, Jonah repents. Jonah decides, I better obey God. And when Jonah gets to that place, God then releases him from his negative environment. God, I said something and y'all missed it. When Jonah repented, God then released him from what he had been going through. Maybe you've been asking God to get you out of what you're going through. Maybe if you would just repent. Maybe if you would just get serious about God. If you would just obey God, then God would do like Jonah. He would release you from what you're going through. God Almighty. Listen, my friends, you and I need to come to a place of obedience and surrender. But by the end of Jonah chapter 2, Jonah is now on the shore. He spent three days, three nights in the belly of a great fish. And then the word of the Lord comes to Jonah a second time. I like that. God still wants to use this rebellious, disobedient preacher. And the word comes to Jonah a second time. And here's the message. I already heard. I already read it for you. The word of the Lord comes to Jonah a second time saying, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach to it the message that I tell you. Here it is, third verse. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Don't miss that. Jonah chapter 3, Jonah hears from God and Jonah obeys God. But wait a minute, this was the same message that he heard from God in Jonah chapter 1. In Jonah chapter 1, the same God spoke to the same man, gave him the same instructions to go to the same place, but Jonah decides he's not going to do it in Jonah chapter 1. But when he hears the message again in Jonah chapter 3, your Bible says he goes. What's the difference between Jonah chapter 3 and Jonah chapter 1? It's a great question. Can I tell you the difference? The only difference between Jonah chapter 1 and Jonah chapter 3 was Jonah chapter 2. It was something about what God did in Jonah chapter 2 that when Jonah heard the message that he heard in Jonah chapter 1 in Jonah chapter 3, he responded differently in Jonah chapter 3 than he responded in Jonah chapter 1. Maybe, maybe it might make sense if I say it this way. 
It was just something about when my daddy said, I told you already. And now because you have chosen to disobey me, there are consequences to pay. And the rod of correction corrected me. I know y'all never had to deal with that. And it was something about the rod of correction. It was something about what my father did on my backside. That when I heard his instructions the second time, I responded a whole lot different than I responded the first time I heard. God Almighty. And so between Jonah chapter 3 and Jonah chapter 1, there was Jonah chapter 2. Could it be that what you've been going through, what you are going through, could it be that God created it because God is trying to deal with you and rather than praying and asking God to get you out of what you're going through, why don't you start asking God to help teach you what he wants to teach you in what you're going through? So I got to get out the way. So Jonah goes in Jonah chapter 3 and he preaches the message that God has given to him. And your Bible says in Jonah chapter 3 verse 5 that the people heard and the people believed. And the people repented and the people fasted. Jonah chapter 3, verse 5. They heard, they believed, they repented, and they fasted. Jonah's worst fear has happened. Remember, he didn't like those people. And even though he's ministering to them, he still don't like those people. But he goes, he preaches the message to them, the people hear, the people believe, the people repent, and the people fast. But not only that, you've been asking, you've been wondering, how in the world are you going to turn Raytown right side up? How in the world are you going to reach people who are far from God? We see it right here in the text. Listen, if you're going to make the impact that God desires for you to make in this place and in this region and even in this world, here's how you do it. It is when the people of God take serious the commands of God, walk in obedience to God, engage people who are far from God, share with them the hope they have in God, then they might turn to God. So it was when Jonah took serious the commands of God and walked in obedience to God and engaged people who were far from God and shared with them the message of God, then in Jonah chapter 3 verse 5, then now those people are repenting and returning back to God. But not only that, because the sixth verse says that the king also heard and the king believed. And the king began to pass edict and legislations and laws that says that the name of the Lord shall be heralded. 
You've been wondering how in the world we're going to turn America right side up. It's when the people of God get serious about God. Because when the people of God get serious about God, then God has the ability even to affect the heart of the king. But not only that, 10th verse says that when God saw that the people repented, when God saw that the people believed and fasted, your Bible says that God withheld from them the destruction that God was going to destroy on them. In fact, my Bible says that God relented, that God held back from them what they rightfully deserve. You and I deserve hell. You and I deserve the full wrath of God's judgment. Here it is. But God. In his love for us, sent his son, Jesus Christ. And those of us who have placed our faith and trust in him alone for our salvation, God has now held back from us what we rightfully deserve. Got to get out of your way. So God now in Jonah chapter 3 verse 10, he's holding back from them what they rightfully deserve. You would have thought Jonah would have been happy. You would have thought Jonah would have celebrated. But in fact, Jonah has an attitude with God. In fact, Jonah chapter 4 we see this story of this man, Jonah, who is angry with God. In essence, he is saying to God, how dare you save those people? Don't you know those people don't deserve your grace? Don't you know what those people have done? But what, do, what Jonah doesn't understand and what many of us don't recognize is that the same grace and mercy that they have received in Jonah chapter 3 verse 10 is the same grace that he had received in Jonah chapter 1. And so in Jonah chapter 4, Jonah is having a pity party. In fact, he says to God, why don't you kill me? And by the end of Jonah chapter 4, we get a snapshot of Nineveh. Jonah chapter 4, verse 11, God then gives us a glimpse of Nineveh. God says of Nineveh that it is an exceedingly great city a city of which 120,000 people are there. So here's the picture. Because of Jonah's ministry, 120,000 people were spared the wrath of God's judgment. That's a significant ministry connection point. Wouldn't you be excited to know that because of your ministry, 120,000 people one day will spend eternity with Jesus because of the fruitfulness of your ministry? 
So Jonah has a significant ministry. 120,000 people were saved because of his ministry. But we never celebrate Jonah's ministry. I grew up in church, Sunday school, vacation Bible studies, and all of that stuff. And here's what we know of Jonah. Here is a man who heard from God. Here is a man who disobeyed God. Here's a man who reaped the consequences of his disobedience, was thrown overboard, swallowed by a fish that spit him up on dry land. That's what we always talk about, Jonah. But we never talk about here is a man who had this ministry, who went to people who were far from God, preached to them the message of God, and God delivered them. We never celebrate that. Why? Because his disobedience always overshadows his ministry. Come here, connection point. If you and I, if you as a church family are not a people who are walking in obedience to God, you might do great things for God, but all that will ever be remembered of you would be that of a people who heard from God, who walked in disobedience to God, who reaped the consequences of their disobedience, and rather than repenting, decided that they were going to keep doing what they've always done. And if you do that, then as significant as your ministry has been over these 170 plus years, it will always be overshadowed. By disobedience. I'm done. But there was a song. There's a song that we would sing in the little church that I grew up in as the ministry team is moving into place and prayer warriors and counselors are positioning themselves there. There was a song that I used to learn, sing, we used to sing in that small little church down in South Texas. The words of the song were simple but profound. Because the question then is, what did God want from Jonah? What God wanted from Jonah is what God wants from you. God wants your yes. That's what God wants from you. So the songs that we would sing simply said, I'll say yes, Lord, yes to your will and to your way I'll say yes Lord yes I will trust you and obey when your spirit speaks to me with my whole heart I'll agree and my answer will be yes Lord yes God wants your yes have you put your yes on the table Maybe you're here today and you've never trusted God for salvation. What God wants from you this morning is your yes. Your yes that says, God, I want you. As messed up as I am, as blown it, as many times as I've blown it, today I realize that I have rebelled against you. 
And much of what I've been going through, I've been going through because of the choices that I've made in this life. But today, I want to be like Jonah. I want to repent. I want to turn from my sinfulness, and I want you to use me. If you're here today and you've never made that decision, let me invite you to Jesus. Maybe you're a good church member, and you've been going through the motions. You've been a part of the church. You've been doing great things, but you're wondering why you're not experiencing the joy of Jesus. Maybe you've been wondering why you've been stuck in your chapter two for all these years. Until you repent, God will never release you from what you're going through. So whatever God has so said to you, now is the time to respond.